0: Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is Neurostation. A show about the Rust programming language and the people who use it. This is a news episode for Rust 1.29 and 1.30. Parity Technologies is here sponsoring another episode. Parity is advancing the state of the art in decentralized tech. Their flagship software is the Parity Ethereum client, but they're also building cutting-edge tech in areas like WebAssembly and peer-to-peer networking. Their next big project is Polkadot, a platform leveraging blockchain tech for scaling and interop in decentralized systems. Parity uses Rust for its trifecta of safety, speed, and correctness, and they're still hiring Rust developers, so check out their jobs at paritytech.io slash jobs. Thanks again to Parity for sponsoring the show. Rust 1.29, six weeks ago, well, looking at the date, seven weeks ago, was a relatively small release, because Rust 1.30 was, and 1.31 is really going to be, a big release. If you're wondering why there's a combined episode for these two, Rust 1.29 being small, plus the burnout I talked about a few episodes back, was enough for me to say... Pass. But there were a couple things, so I'm going to talk about those before we dive into the much larger changes around 1.30 and then briefly talk about the 1.31 beta. The biggest feature in 1.29 was the new cargo fix command in Cargo. Cargo fix is a general purpose tool to fix a certain set of compiler warnings for you. If you've ever looked at one of Rust's extremely friendly and detailed compiler warnings and thought, Okay, Rust, if you're so smart and you can tell me exactly what I should change here, why don't you just fix that for me? Well, Cargo Fix is what you've been looking for. Of course, it's important that this be relatively conservative. A tool like this can only fix things where the tool is 100% sure via the compiler that the fix is in fact correct. The new compiler API that drives this will slowly expand over time as new sure-to-be-right fixes land in it, but for today it's only going to fix a handful of things. Still, that's nice. Cargo fix, being a general purpose tool, is something people have dreamed about for a long time, but it landed when it did because we actually need it for the 2018 edition release to be successful. And so that takes us to a special flag you can pass to Cargo fix, the edition flag. This checks your code against both the current and the next editions of the compiler, and it helps you get the code into a state where it works with both if cargo can safely update your code automatically for you it will otherwise it'll print warnings with instructions about what you should do to fix your code and i actually mentioned cargo fix in an earlier episode when the first beta of this feature was released but it's now on stable, and in my experience it works really well i converted my and hey it's active again lightning static site generator project using cargo fix and it was a piece of cake granted There's a whopping thousand lines of rust so far in that project, so it's very small in the grand scheme of things, but CargoFix just worked, and using it was a great experience. Rust 1.29 also shipped a preview of the Cargo Clippy command. Clippy is a tool for linting your code. It's named after the old, silly, annoying Clippy tool in Microsoft Office back in the 90s. The one that would put up a paperclip on your screen with prompts like, it looks like you're composing a letter. Would you like help with that? In Rust, Clippy suggests best practices. Things that aren't at the level of compiler errors, but which are likely to make your code more maintainable over time cargo clippy brings this to a first-class integration with the language tooling it's still in preview but you can check it out now there are also a couple small stabilizations in the standard library and a few new targets added to the compiler the usual sorts of things and as usual you should look at the full release notes to see all the details most of the focus though was on laying the groundwork we needed for 1.30 and 1.31 and polishing all of that so let's talk about those Rust 1.30 dropped a bunch of changes on us. The biggest two are stabilizing procedural macros and adding some new features for how paths are handled for crates and items within them. Procedural macro stabilization has been something we've wanted for a long time because procedural macros let you do some really amazing compile time code generation, but they've also been limited to nightly for a long, long time. Back in the 1.15 release, a subset of procedural macros was stabilized. I talked about that a little in the crates you should know serde and traits deep dive part 1 episodes, both of which are of course linked in the show notes. Those custom derives though were only part of the story. The rest of the story landed in 1.30. And this stabilization brings two new kinds of macros we can write. One, we can write our own attributes Recall that custom derive macros were limited to macros which could run in the context of the compiler's existing derive macro. That limitation is now lifted, and this opens the door for things like rockets routing attribute macros to work on stable Rust. We can also write function-style macros, which are like macros by example, which we covered back in episode 10, except that they have the full power of procedural macros, that is, they have full access to all the tokens within the body of the invocation and the ability to generate all the desired code that we want. Macros, by example, recall, don't have access to the compiler. They're just smart syntax substitutions. And while that's powerful, procedural macros actually get to run the compiler themselves for code gen purposes. And they are thus strictly and profoundly more powerful. A caveat. As usual, you should reach for the tool of least power For maintainability reasons, don't use macros unless you have to, use macros by example by default, and only reach for procedural macros if you can't do it otherwise. That being said, these two features being stabilized means a lot of things that previously only worked on Nightly are now available for everyone to use on Stable. That's a big, big win. Also, closely related, one of my longest-standing annoyances with the whole programming language—and this is an annoyance, not a a major problem—but it got fixed— You can now reference macros the same way you reference everything else. Historically, you had to write the macro use attribute on the extern crate reference for the crate where you wanted to pull a macro in from. But you didn't specify the name of the macro there or anywhere else. So it was just kind of globally available and not named, and it's always been a bit of a weird outlier from other items as such. Now, you use macros just like you do anything else. So, for example, to pull in diesel's not-none macro, you would just write use diesel colon colon not none, and you can drop the macro use attribute entirely. This is a really nice win for consistency throughout the language. That also takes us nicely into the other huge, also backwards compatible, but really significant change in Rust 1.30, which is another set of things for consistency around paths, module paths specifically. It's no secret that understanding Rust's module system, the PATH system, has been a serious learning hurdle for a lot of people. And there are a lot of reasons for this, some of them just coming down to the ways it's different from other systems people have worked with. But the biggest one is that the module system that was shipped with Rust 1.0 works one way in the root of the main module, whether that's a lib.rs or a main.rs file, but it does not work the same way everywhere else. Those differences, and many other related confusions, flowed out of the way that the actual rules for paths worked, and the intent there was to make paths items like everything else. The kind of thing that was super elegant in the theoretical sense, but also in practice, because of the specific details, super confusing." The difference, ultimately, came down to what extern-crate did in the context of the crate root. If you wrote extern-crate-regex, then in your main function, or in your lib.rs file, or otherwise at the root level of your crate, you could reference everything on that extern-crate directly. So if you'd pulled in regex, you could write regex colon colon regex colon colon new. Generate a new regular expression. However, in the rest of your crate, even just in a nested module written in line in that same root file, you explicitly had to write use regex. You had to write that to make the invocation work because the namespace, the lookup context, had changed from where it was in the root. And this confused basically everyone. It confused me, it confused core team members who'd worked on Rust for ages, not in the I-can't-figure-this-out sense, but just in the oh-oh-right-I-have-to-do-that-thing-again sense. And it was a learning hurdle. So 1.30 brings a big fix, and the 2018 will bring yet more fixes. We'll come back to that in a future episode. Here's how the fix works. You don't need extern crate anymore, at all, ever. You can simply refer to crates' paths by their crate name, and the Rust compiler does the right thing and looks them up for you. So, without ever writing extern-crate-serde, you can now write, use-serde-deserialize, and it'll just work. Everywhere in your crate. You can also name things from your crate root as in I want to look up something elsewhere in my crate and I'm six layers deep right now, so I really don't want to write super, 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 and then start filling in the actual path, you can get around that using the crate keyword. It used to be that paths after the use keyword started from the root, but paths in an item context, like a method name, used the local path instead. And you'd have seen a workaround for the super, super, super problem I just described by two leading colons in front of some path. And this worked, but it was kind of ugly and it was not really consistent with anything else in the language's path handling. So that style has been replaced by the new and much clearer syntax, crate, colon, colon, some path to get the same result. As a result, paths can now work consistently wherever you use them, so in use statements, or in local lookup, as long as you include the crate keyword where and when you should. Running the previously mentioned cargo fix with the addition flag command will do this work for you, as it turns out, because Rust 2018 requires the new style. Rust 2015 supports the new style, and it's recommended, but you don't have to switch if you stay on Rust 2015. That said, in my experience, switching to this new system was incredibly easy, and in fact it was a case of things just working the way they felt like they always should have worked. Now, before we wrap up, there are a couple things in the one thirty release that are worth mentioning. There's syntax to let you use identifiers as keywords. You can write R pound sign in front of the keyword. This is not something you'll normally see unless you're using one of the new keywords from Rust 2018. Async and await for use with futures as they standardize, and try to replace the current do catch blocks. Those are sugar for special handling around things like result, which implement the try trait. You may have code in Rust 2015 that uses try or async or await as a name for something, and that was fine because they weren't previously keywords. You can keep those exactly as they are in Rust 2018 just by writing them something like pound async. And I believe Cargo fix with the addition flag will handle this for you, but you should check that. You can also now build no standard applications. You've been able to write no standard libraries for a long time, since Rust 1.6, three years ago, but not applications. You had to call no standard libraries from things that weren't Rust, which is kind of weird. There's now support, though, for telling the system how to implement panics when the standard library doesn't exist, via a new compiler attribute, panic handler, which you apply to a function which can implement your application's behavior for panics. And this is a big deal for a lot of contexts, but especially places like embedded software or WebAssembly. Another neat little feature? Cargo got a progress bar. It tells you roughly how far along in the process of doing a build you are. It's just a nice little win. Similarly, there are little wins around library stabilizations, as there often are. A couple of the ones that caught my eye, IP address shortcuts, like IPv4 address localhost, or IPv6 address localhost. These are tiny, but they're nice for making sure you don't typo something where it matters. And there are a bunch more of these kinds of things. As always, full release notes are linked in the show notes. The other big news, though, is around 1.31, which is the release which will include the Rust 2018 edition, and that is now in the beta channel. I'm not going to talk about any of the features in that because I'm going to do at least one and possibly a series of episodes digging into that release and its new features when it lands in a little over a month. I think they warrant that level of explanation. For today, though, it's enough to know that in most cases, it's nearly here and you can and should test it out. So to install the beta and test it out, do Rustup Update Beta. Then you can run individual builds by typing cargo plus beta build or cargo plus beta run for your app or library. And you can set it as an override for a given project to just do nothing but betas from now until then by saying Rustup Override Beta. I say this often... But as we're coming into the home stretch for the Rust 2018 release, please, please go test your projects and file any bugs that come up, not just with Cargo Fix like I mentioned earlier, but also with your apps. This is a really big deal for Rust, and your bug reports or your comments on unclear documentation in the edition guide, for example, could be the difference for someone coming in to check out Rust either for the first time or again to see how it's changed as this news hits that's a big deal. You can help. And that's all for today. The episode on Unsafe that I've mentioned in the past is coming together nicely, and I should be able to finish drafting it and maybe even recording it over my Thanksgiving holiday. And as I mentioned, I'm lining up a bunch of coverage for the 1.31 release and the 2018 edition. Thanks as always to everyone who sponsors the show. This month's $10 or more sponsors included Scott Muller, Olushei Shonaya, Anthony Deschamps, Ramon Buckland, Paul Naranja, James Haggins II, Nick Stevens, Stefan Sunda, Alexander Payne, Benham Esfobod, Graham Willadal, Nicholas Pochet, Martin Huschober, Nick Gideo, Bryce Johnston. Daniel Cullen, Rob Choop, Dan Abrams, John Rudnick, Matt Rudder, Jonathan Knapp, Jerome Frolik, Peter Tillemans, Chris Palmer, Nathan Scully, Brian Stitt, Joseph Marhi, Michael McDonnell, Ryan Osiel, Jekyll Dinar, Chip, Adam Green, Ray Levine, and Daniel Mason. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can set up ongoing contributions at Patreon.com/NeuroStation, or you can send a one-off my way. There are a bunch of services listed on the show website for that. The website. Newrustation.com also has scripts and code samples for most teaching episodes, transcripts for some of the interviews, and full show notes for every episode. Notes for this episode are at NewRustStation.com slash show underscore notes slash news slash rust underscore one underscore 29 underscore one underscore 30. I should have picked a better naming convention for these people. If you're enjoying the show, please help others find it. Tell them about it in person, share it on social media, rate and review it in a podcast directory, or something clever that I've not even thought of. The show is on Twitter at New Rustation and I'm there at Chris ChrisKreicho. Please do tweet at me when you've got news and so on. You can also respond in the threads on the Rust user forums, Reddit, Hacker News, or Lobsters. And you can just send me an email. Thanks again to the many of you who've sent me kind emails over the last few months. They've meant a lot. And until next time, happy coding.